a relevant topic coming up to the Yom in the Roim is the one of fear and anxiety and the difference between them. Many people in their spiritual journey, as they become more in tune with the world of Torah, so their perspective of these days of awe changes somewhat. Yomim Nuroim they call days of awe. And some, sometimes people get really scared. And I'd like to discuss as an introduction to this the notion of fear as opposed to anxiety. Um, fear is a very helpful emotion because it allows a person to restrain himself from self-destructive activity. If you don't have fear, so then life can be a very risky thing. Um, that's why people generally look after their children. <laughs> like you, know, you don't, you don't, you don't leave your your toddler walking around the edge of a cliff. And it's not only because toddlers aren't that secure in their feet. It's also because they may not yet be developed enough to be scared of. And just, or they're not scared because they perhaps don't realize the nature of cause and effect that if you throw yourself off a gigantic cliff you may not land up safely on the bottom so they have no fear and not having fear can be exceptionally dangerous if a person doesn't have fear and he decides oh yeah I know there are box jellyfish in this little beach but I'll go swimming anyway so that could be problematic or sharks or electric Stingrays. Stingrays. You know, it's like, it's, it's not, a, fear is a very helpful thing. If a person doesn't have fear and he decides that it's time to go for a walk at night and he's in downtown Johannesburg, or truth be told, any part of Johannesburg, um, so it could be problematic. So fear is an amazing asset that a person has. It's like a protection <coughs> shield that allows him to navigate through life and not get destroyed in the process. No? Agreed? Good thing, fear? Fear good? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, so now there's something else which is called anxiety. Anxiety is when a person is also scared and they can feel like fear, but instead of it responding to a real threat, it responds to a fictional threat. Mm-hmm. So in other words, let's look at the let's let's look at the the words of the of the Ramchal, Derek in Sisushai says it. He says, A person, the opposite of fear is trust. When you trust, you're not scared. And we're all from Ox, which means we trust in the Rebbein Neshelolom, so we haven't got any reason to be scared. So therefore, if you have Bitachoyim, you've got trust, you don't have fear. Brilliant, fantastic, marvelous, gewaldic. Says the Mesilis Hashayim, but one second. We see that the Chachamim were concerned that a person doesn't put himself in a place of danger. And if you have to have absolute faith, 
and trust in Hashem that He's going to protect you, why would it be wrong to put yourself in danger? I mean, Hashem's with you, He'll protect you. Not only that, it says that Nishmartim it's a mitzvah not to put yourself in danger. So the Mesilis Yashorim decides to differentiate between two different kinds of fear, fears. And he introduces it by saying, Yesh Yirah Yesh Yirah, these two different <laughs> kinds of fear. Yesh Yirah there's a fear which is appropriate, it's good. Yesh Yirah and there's a stupid fear, a fear which is not born of sound reasoning. Yesh Bitochen, there's something called faith. Yesh Heilalus, and there's something which is called frivolity, it's crazy, it's mad. Heilalus. Hine, and now it brings some, so these are these are like basic, basic stuff over here, boys, basic stuff. I want you to drink the thing, basic stuff. Hine, ha'adoin boruchu ases ha'adoin ba'al seichel nochoin. The Abishter made you with a straight thinking mind capable of understanding the nature of cause and effect. Uswara nechoicho. And good thinking skills. Why? Why? So that you respond to the way that cause and effect functions in the natural world and you'll behave in accordance with it. And you'll be able to avoid things which are destructive. And a person that denies the natural cause and event, cause and effect of the world of nature. He says, well, why do you have to be scared of lions? Let me go for a walk in the Kruger Park, smeared with barbecue sauce. It may be the very last walk he takes, even though he's got ultimate faith in God above. With barbecue sauce. He may be the lion's meal. And when a person relies on being protected from things which according to the laws of nature are harmful, that's not called faith. That's called stupid. You're not being faithful, you're being stupid. Stupid! As they say in America. Inventing a new sound for the you. What does mean? That's it means like a light making something which is real into a fantasy, like like like, like that kind of thing. And not only that, now the Mr. Shrimp says a deep, deep, deep vote. Not like everything else isn't deep. He says, when a person disobeys the laws of logic, he's disobeying God. Isn't that amazing? Meaning as follows. Hashem communicated to us through two different mechanisms, the Torah and the world. And both have got the same message. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. How did Hashem communicate through the world of nature? He said as follows. He said, I'm going to tell you how to behave by creating you with a mind that has the capacity to extract principles from your observation of the world around you. You observe the world around you and you see that if you spend five hours in the sun during summer 
without drinking, you will be de- become de- dehydrated. That means there's, as it were, implicitly in that relationship between body, sun, and hydration, a halacha. The halacha says, drink so you don't get dehydrated. And if you say, I'm not going to drink, you're not only an idiot, you're also a doing an avera of not listening to the Shulchan Aruch of nature. And that's connected to the Hashem. What do you think? Nature's random? No, nature is the way Hashem communicated how He wants the world to work through the cause and effect that's visible and understandable in our relationship to it. So when we look at the world of nature, we're responding to the message that the Creator is giving us. And therefore, when we decide to take care of our body, it's not because we want to be healthy. It's because since there's cause and effect, and eating these foods is not beneficial, and eating those foods is, so when we obey one and disobey the other one, it's real obedience and disobedience. But, behaving according to your reasoning, that's appropriate. And what's inappropriate fear? Appropriate fear is as follows. How do I know, however, when I have to be scared and when not? In other words, if there's an obvious danger, so then if I have faith and I have no fear, I'm an idiot. If there's zero danger and I have fear and have no faith, then I'm an idiot. But how do I draw the exact line? So the, the Mesutraim comes up with a principle derived from the Gemorian Psachim, which is Heche Deshchech Zekeshaini. Kimokim Shahezek Motsuivanoida. If there's a place where it's known to be dangerous, Yeshishama, then you have to guard yourself. But Mokim Shahena Hezek Noida, but if the place is not known to be dangerous, then there's no reason to be scared. But who cares? It could happen. The Ramchal goes on and says, quoting this whole uh, a whole medrash about a person that's scared of a lion. It's an interesting medrash. Listen to this. Shiva Dvarim Amru Shlomo Ba'atza. Shlomo Melech describes seven things in regard to a lazy person. Ketad. So, you say to a lazy person, atzlu, atzlu, laziness is the wrong translation. Atzlus means the suppression <coughs> of latent potential. Say to a person that's got potential which has not been released. Your teacher is in, in, the, in the city, go learn wisdom from him. He says, I can't. There's a lion upon the way. He's in your neighborhood. Maybe the lion will be walking between the streets. He's in your house. If I go to him, the door will be closed. And then eventually you say to him, the door's open. And he said, I'd rather sleep. Listen to this. Incredible line. From this you see, it's not that the fear makes you inactive. 
but the atzus just makes you fear. Take our person sitting in bed. You say, why don't you go learn from me, Rebbe? I'm scared of the lion. No, you're not scared of the lion. You don't want to get out of bed. So you create the fear to stop you from moving. Welcome to the world of anxiety. Anxiety is a synonym for depression of latent talent. Anxiety keeps the person strapped and trapped in himself, unable to move forward. Why? By creating an entire range of fears which will restrict his behavior of going to be certain about. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty amazing, no? So there's one line in the Mesilsa Shoram that I would like to read to you. I have to find it. Um, Beautiful lioness. So he says, What do you have to fear from? He says, Fear is when there's a real threat that you're avoiding. But not. beautiful line, no? Not from what that could possibly be a chance that it may happen. Sounds like a person with vagueness. No, it sounds like a person with anxiety. Some people, anxiety means as follows. If I go out, I don't go for the job interview. Why? Well, if I go for the job interview, so they'll reject me. Why will they reject you? Because I'm not qualified. Well, one second, but you've shown your resume and they've accepted you for an interview. No, they were doing that because... Oh, what are you talking about? Why are you making up stories? What the Atlas does is it teaches you to tell stories that stop you from moving. I'm not going to go speak to that person over there. Why? Because he's going to, he's going to reject me. Why is he going to reject me? Because uh, I didn't put in the ocean this morning. Well, how do you know? Maybe he's also smelly old. Right? Atzlus is the suppression of self based on self-invented fears which restrict us from expressing who we are. And those fears are fiction of our imagination and therefore when you ignore them, they just dissipate into nothing because there's no real threat. So now you see that the basis of solidity that we have to do is we have to be rooted in rational thinking. And the minute we leave the world of rational thinking, we become prone to living a daily hell. Why am I saying this? Because I've met people that keep themselves trapped in a world of absolute internal subjugation, agonizing over things they've done. And it goes across the spectrum. A great example is when people, in their pursuit of, they think, religious virtue, start to become obsessive about certain things in their life. So, you have a person, normal person, and uh, he's concerned there was Mechal Shabbos. So you say to him, well, what do you do wrong? It could be when I walked across the street, there was something that I... And then he gets involved in this like, internal battle of the mind. And he's going backwards and forwards. And he's saying, but you just made up that halacha. What's the real thing? The beauty of Judaism is it's tight, it's close, and it's well-reasoned. And it doesn't allow real room 
in its pure sense for the created anxieties that many people produce in their relationship towards religion. Just, 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 just too, too logical. It's too well reasoned. If there's a problem, there's a problem. There's a problem. There's a solution. Gone with it. It's an extremely practical, well reasoned system. And when a person starts to agonize over something, so just think through the question and see, is anyone following what I'm saying? I don't know if any of you experience this kind of like, this internal angst over stuff and you're just like, well, what is it? Oh, but Rabbi, I, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, this, this, this Shabbos, oh, this morning, I made a broken. It's locha. It's what you do. It's what happens. Yes, you made a mistake. You do tshuva, right? Let's go. <laughs> what you want? May I come to the I think that the issue of, like, just as an example, maybe someone that's Nachal Shabbos, when you're first getting into Yiddishkeit, you're first looking at everything, you don't really know where you stand, you don't really know all the rules, so you could think that you're doing something correctly, but then, really, there's a hundred different rules going on. Correct. You could be breaking, you could could be Nachal Shabbos. Correct, absolutely. So I feel like that, what you're describing, is like a symptom of, of... like before, like while you're in the really in the very beginning of the tshuva process. So I, what I think I'm trying to ascertain is how do you, how does one get out of that throughout the the process? In every stage of the game, there's a pertinent halacha. You know, there's, there's a halacha of how should a person that doesn't know anything about Shabbos keep Shabbos? Right. Do you, do you understand how how the Torah is ingenious? Who does the Torah speak to? Many people think the Torah speaks to the guy who's like long payers and chocolate, I don't know, 75 SPM? <laughs> <laughs> Random, you know, like... Shots per minute? So who does the Torah speak to? Listen to this. In the case of the first Torah, the Torah speaks to this guy that he's a soldier and he's in a war and he sees a gorgeous non-Jewish woman or even not so gorgeous non-Jewish woman. Like she doesn't have to be gorgeous at all. She could be very average. And uh, he's madly attracted to her. So the Torah starts speaking to him. You think, what? The Torah speaks to that schmutz bucket. <laughs> what was he looking for in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> now we're going to speak to him. The Torah goes and speaks to him. He says, aha, okay, you have a problem. Let's figure out how we can deal with it. And the Torah's got like a whole mahalach. Isn't that amazing? The says, okay, you're in the situation. Let's deal with it. The Torah is not prudish, and the Torah is not evasive. You're in a situation, let's deal with it. So, what, so tell me, what's your situation? Well, this is beautifully attractive for him, anyway. Girl, um, but she's not Jewish. Yeah, no, it's a problem. Well, what should I do? So he says, okay, well, let's think out. That's what you should do. You should do this. You should do there's a whole mahalach. It's a mahalach. There's always a mahalach. Mahalach means there's a way of coping with it. The Torah speaks to every nitty-gritty little thing in your life. And says, and this is what you should do. And what happens is, some of us have this notion, no, the Torah is a religious doctrine. And it speaks to you when you're playing by the rules. Then it's relevant. But when you're not playing by the rules, so then it doesn't speak to you. No. That's when it starts speaking. It's okay, you're in this matter. So what should you do? No, isn't it amazing who the Torah speaks to? The Torah speaks to Rebbe Elazar ben Durdaya. Rebbe, Rebbe Elazar ben Durdaya. You know him. Right? He's a guy that's... You know, you know, you get around. <coughs> That's one way of saying it. He's, uh, you know, Mali. Meaning he was a person that was, uh, today you, you'd call him a sex addict. Back in the day, you just called him, you know, a person that liked to visit women of ill repute. And then the Torah describes 
his process of tshuva. What do you mean? Why is it talking about him? Is a mamush, a mushchas, a shmutz, a shaykin? What? No, 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 no. What, what should he do? Taka, uh, good question. What do you do? So wherever you are, there's a mahalach for you. There's an approach. What do you do? There's always an approach. Why? Because we're meant to live our life with seichel. Shikul adas. Okay, let's wear up. Okay, we've got this problem. Okay, how? what should we do? Hmm, I'm in this situation. Okay, what should we do? There's no like just, ah, just go with my gut, with my fears, with my wants, with my desires. No, no, no. Cause and effect. Reality. Live in the world of reality. Don't live in the stupid fictional narrative that you tell yourself all day and all night long. All these stories you tell ourselves. Just stories and stories. Oh, this is my life and this is where I am. This is what I do. What's in the gear? What's in the gear? What's in the gear? It's like made up stuff. It's just stuff. It's stuff. Jess, what? Like, how do you know when you're telling yourself these stories? Because like, by definition, you, you rationalize them. You're saying, you're telling us like these anxiety, these stories are like irrational. But when you're telling them the story, when you're telling these stories. Yes. Oh, beautiful. How do you know you're telling yourself a story? Maybe it's Tucker just living in the reality. Let me give you something called the incredible gift. And people are very reluctant to accept it. And I'm willing to give it out. I give it out freely. And be amazed how many people reject it. I want to give you the incredible gift of self-doubt. Self-doubt! Don't tell me self-doubt! Who can be self-doubting? Someone that's resting in their seichel and is secure. Who can't be self-doubting? Someone that's in their emotions and therefore, if you upset their world, it may well collapse. When you've got a strong world because it's based on reasoning and it's based on evidence, it's based on proofs, someone says, you know that world's wrong. So, okay, let me re-examine the Good point. Is let's re-examine the evidence. That's when your basis is something real. But your basis, I always feel this way for me to do. Don't take this feeling away from me. Don't doubt. You're living in a world of illusion. Can you give an example of self-doubt? Sure. Multiple examples. Um, today, I woke up. I anticipated there'd be slichas at 6.15. There were not. But there were slichas at 6 o'clock. What a bonus. Getting 15 minutes late. Feel good at the slichas and not having to do them. Win-win. And I was annoying this because I thought there were 6.15. I'm an amazing person. <laughs> so now, then I go to Davin. So self-guard is saying to myself, it's, it's checking my motivation. Come on. The reason, I just made a joke of that, right? Self-doubt would be, oh, well, please, I came late. I would love to have said slichas, but you know, what can I do? I've got stuff to go, people to meet, places to visit. Self-doubt is, you just lying to yourself. You're just lucky to give, you know, you just got yourself a slichas, you know, get out of jail free card. I don't know what it is. Self-doubt is second-guessing your motivations. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example of Israel. And people hear this example, they don't get it. Israel s- planned this trip to England. And uh, then he cancels it. When he was told, him, he says to him, Rebbe, why did you cancel your trip to England? He said, I, I realized that I was just going there to buy a new umbrella. Are you joking? Are you joking, Rebbe Israel? He was like, God Hador, he's going there to buy a new umbrella. He can't be. So he's explaining to me what, what happened. So he said, well... I designed this whole trip and I was like ready to get there to like push forward Musa and then a thought crept into my mind and it said oh while I'm there I might as well buy a new umbrella and I thought okay that's why I'm going there now this is amazing 
Because when I say that to you, it sounds absurd. Well, a person back in the day, traveling from Eastern Europe to London, wasn't like, it wasn't like getting easy jet. <laughs> it was a big thing. So what, he's doing all that for a stupid umbrella? Are you insane? What do you mean? We do that the whole time. We do that the whole time. That's how the whole marketing operates. You'll, you'll buy a huge, you'll make a huge investment because of like some like a side bonus, which is worth nothing. Our, our mind is completely rational when we'll do things that are tiny in relation to the reality, but for us, they're super important in emotional fashion. I'll give an example, right? Going to weddings. Now, if you go to a wedding and you think to yourself, why am I going to the wedding? Say it's a close friend. Close friend. I try this out. You've got a close friend. I mean, somebody you're deeply invested in. And don't eat the food. All of a sudden, you say, well, it's such a boring wedding. I don't understand what happened. <laughs> same chasen, same dancing, same color. What happened? So actually, you're going to the wedding for the food. Don't kid yourself. Tell yourself you're going. To understand, and the gears are so deep and so hidden that when you don't have self-doubt, you can literally land up running your life based on what you proclaim as a holy endeavor, but deep down you're just doing it for some random reason. And it's amazing how random that reason can be. I remember having this discussion with a friend of mine that he was trying to convince another friend of mine to come live in Israel. And the person who's trying to convince it, one second, he says, you are trying to encourage me to make a major life decision because it would be nice to have coffee with me once a month. And the guy thought and he said, yeah, that's actually, I'm encouraging you. So do you see how phenomenally irrational we are? So when you don't have self-doubt, you never question your own idiocy. When you have self-doubt, you can say, one second, what an idiot. I'm just being an idiot. Oh my gosh, that's really what I'm about. That's really what I'm thinking. <coughs> Daniel Manny. What's the difference between self-doubt and self-awareness? Anyway. Self-doubt paves the way to self-awareness. It's, it's very much, very, very connected. In other words, you're right. A person who's self-aware, they have the capacity to ask themselves questions about their motivations and see underneath the surface of what's driving them to do this and driving them to do that. And really, that's like a great thing to do, to like t- spend some time reflecting. Why am I making the choice I'm making? What's really driving me? Is it because my father told me so? Is it because I want the guilt? I want the girls? Is it because I want to feel good? To feel secure? Is it because what, 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 what are the drivers? What, what, actually, what, what is my life about? What am I actually living for? I mean, sorry, I don't mean to make it that intense that quick. But what am I actually living for? Come on, what am I living for? I wake up in the morning. What am I living for? What am, what's it? Let's get down to the bottom of it. Come on. Yes, yes. If we all like, yeah, believe that the Torah is right, well, there'll be massive differences, right? I'll, g- I'll give you a few. The minute that you do things for the wrong reasons, um, you can become completely, and you're not self-aware, you can become completely destructive in the name of God. Um... I mean, I don't have to give you illustrations, but analogies, perhaps, that, you know, the person who, who really feels very insecure by himself and he needs to prop himself up by controlling other people's lives. He'll tell himself, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm Torah. I need to 
guide people. They, they, they don't know as much as I do. Just they need to trust in me. But all he's doing is like he's just manipulating. Right? The person that's, that's, that's seduced by, by Chimdis Momen. He just wants to get rich and powerful. So he says, no, I just want to support people in Yeshiva. Well, if you value it so much, why don't you sit there and learn yourself? No, 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 no. Easy, easy, easy. Oh, why not? Because you like money. Come on. You're not interested in learning Yeshiva. You don't value Torah. You value money. But you feel bad. So he tells himself, oh, no, 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 no. Not everybody has to learn. I'm going to support people. Why? It's important that people learn. Just not me. Huh? Why? Because I don't value Torah. So you just want money and you feel bad. So you assuage your guilty conscience by saying that. Yeah. Is it possible someone could come to yeshiva and say, "I just I, th- I find being a, from Jew is easier than being a secular Jew. I'm just going to do that, and this is just this is just the way it works." And the emotional crutch theory. The emotional crutch. A person's you know generally try, 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 generally try, try, since there's a value in religious society to be nice to people, right. so a person's a proper failure in the social world. Ah, oh, fantastic. There you go. Every over there, they kind of snub their nose at me, and now I come in, and even though like I've got no social Someone has to marry me. Someone, or, uh, that's a question. But uh, yeah, people have to be nice to me. So wow, what a great world! I was in the old world, and everyone like snapped me, and now everyone's like so warm and fuzzy. And this is amazing. Yeah, that's not so good. Okay, gentlemen. So th- food for thought. <coughs>